Section 44 of Elia and the Last Essays of Elia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. Elia and the Last Essays of Elia by Charles Lamb. Amicus Redivivus. Where were ye, nymphs? when the remorseless deep closed o'er the head of your loved Lysidas? I do not know when I have experienced a stranger sensation than, on seeing my old friend G.D., who had been paying me a morning visit a few Sundays back at my cottage in Islington, upon taking leave, instead of turning down the right-hand path by which he had entered, with staff in hand and at noonday deliberately march right forwards into the midst of the stream that runs by us and totally disappear a spectacle like this at dusk would have been appalling enough but in the broad open daylight to witness such an unreserved motion towards self-destruction in a valued friend took from me all power of speculation how i found my feet i know not consciousness was quite gone some spirit not my own whirled me to the spot. I remember nothing but the silvery apparition of good white head emerging, nigh which a staff, the hand unseen that wielded it, pointed upwards as feeling for the skies. In a moment, if time was in that time, he was on my shoulders, and I, freighted with a load more precious than his who bore Anchises and here i cannot but do justice to the officious zeal of sundry passers-by who albeit arriving a little too late to participate in the honours of the rescue in philanthropic shoals came thronging to communicate their advice as to the recovery prescribing variously the application or non-application of salt etc to the person of the patient life meantime was ebbing fast away amidst the stifle of conflicting judgments when one more sagacious than the rest by a bright thought proposed sending for the doctor trite as the counsel was and impossible as one should think to be missed on shall i confess in this emergency it was to me as if an angel had spoken great previous exertions and mine had not been inconsiderable are commonly followed by a debility of purpose this was a moment of irresolution monoculus for so in default of catching his true name i choose to designate the medical gentleman who now appeared is a grave middle-aged person who without having studied at the college or truckled to the pedantry of a diploma hath employed a great portion of his valuable time in experimental processes upon the bodies of unfortunate fellow-creatures in whom the vital spark to a mere vulgar thinking would seem extinct and lost for ever he omitteth no occasion of obtruding his services from a case of common surfeit suffocation to the ignobler obstructions sometimes induced by a too wilful application of the plant cannabis outwardly but though he declineth not altogether these drier extinctions his occupation tendeth for the most part to be water practice for the convenience of which he hath judiciously fixed his quarters near the grand repository of the stream mentioned where day and night from his little watch-tower at the middleton's head 
he listeneth to detect the wrecks of drowned mortality, partly, as he saith, to be upon the spot, and partly because the liquids which he useth to prescribe to himself and his patients on these distressing occasions are ordinarily more conveniently to be found at these common hostelries than in the shops and files of the apothecaries. His ear hath arrived to such finesse by practice that it is reported that he can distinguish a plunge at a half-furlong distance, and can tell if it be casual or deliberate. He weareth a medal suspended over a suit originally of a sad brown, but which, by time and frequency of nightly divings, has been dinged into a true professional sable. He passeth by the name of doctor, and is remarkable for wanting his left eye. His remedy, after a sufficient application of warm blankets, friction, etc., is a simple tumbler or more of the purest cognac, with water, made as hot as the convalescent can bear it. Where he findeth, as in the case of my friend, a squeamish subject, he condescendeth to be the taster, and showeth, by his own example, the innocuous nature of the prescription. Nothing can be more kind or encouraging than this procedure. It addeth confidence to the patient, to see his medical adviser go hand in hand with himself in the remedy. When the doctor swalloweth his own draught, what peevish invalid can refuse to pledge him in the potion? In fine, Monoculus is a humane, sensible man, who, for a slender pittance, scarce enough to sustain life, is content to wear it out in the endeavour to save the lives of others, his pretensions so moderate that with difficulty I could press a crown upon him for the price of restoring the existence of such an invaluable creature to society as G.D. It was pleasant to observe the effect of the subsiding alarm upon the nerves of the dear absentee. It seemed to have given a shake to memory, calling up notice after notice of all the providential deliverances he had experienced in the course of his long and innocent life, sitting up in my couch, my couch which, naked and void of furniture hitherto, for the salutary repose which it administered, shall be honoured with costly valence at some price, and henceforth be a state-bed at Colebrook. He discoursed of marvellous escapes, by carelessness of nurses, by pails of jellied and kettles of the boiling element in infancy, by orchard pranks and snapping twigs, in schoolboy frolics, by descent of tiles at Trumpington, and of heavier tomes at Pembroke, by studious watchings inducing frightful vigilance, by want and the fear of want, and all the sore throbbings of the learned head, anon he would burst out into little fragments of chaunting, of songs long ago, ends of deliverance hymns, not remembered before since childhood, but coming up now, when his heart was made tender as a child's, for the tremor cordis in the respect of a recent deliverance, as, in a case of impending danger, acting upon an innocent heart, will produce a self-tenderness which we should do ill to christen cowardice, and Shakespeare, in the latter crisis, has made his good Sir Hugh to remember the sitting by Babylon and to mutter of shallow rivers. Waters of Sir Hugh Middleton, what a spark you were like to have extinguished for ever! Your salubrious streams to this city, for now near two centuries, 
would hardly have atoned for what you were in a moment washing away. Mockery of a river, liquid artifice, wretched conduit, henceforth rank with canals and sluggish aqueducts. Was it for this that, smit in boyhood with the explorations of that Abyssinian traveller, I paced the vales of Amwell to explore your tributary springs, to trace your salutary waters sparkling through green Hertfordshire and cultured Enfield parks? Ye have no swans, no naiads, no river god, or did the benevolent hoary aspect of my friend tempt ye to suck him in, that he also might have the tutelary genius of your waters? Had he been drowned in Cam, there would have been some consonancy in it. But what willows had ye to wave and rustle over his moist sepulture? Or having no name, besides that unmeaning assumption of eternal novity, did ye think to get one by the noble prize, and henceforth be termed the stream diarian? And could such spacious virtue find a grave beneath the impostumed bubble? of a wave. I protest, George, you shall not venture out again, no, not by daylight, without a sufficient pair of spectacles, in your musing moods especially. Your absence of mind we have borne till your presence of body came to be called in question by it. You shall not go out wandering into Euripus with Aristotle, if we can help it. Fie, man, to turn dipper at your years after your many tracts in favour of sprinkling only. I have nothing but water in my head, O oh nights, since this frightful accident. Sometimes I am with Clarence in his dream. At others I behold a Christian beginning to sink, and crying out to his good brother hopeful, that is to me. I sink in deep waters, the billows go over my head, all the waves go over me, Cella. Then I have before me Palinurus, just letting go the steerage. I cry out too late to save. Next follow a mournful procession, suicidal faces, saved against their wills from drowning, dolefully trailing a length of reluctant gratefulness, with ropey weeds pendant from locks of watchet-hue-constrained lazari, Pluto's half-subjects, stolen fees from the grave-bilking Charon of his fair. At their head, Arion, or is it G.D., in his singing garments, marcheth singly, with harp in hand, and votive garland, which Machaon, or Dr. Hawes, snatcheth straight, intending to suspend it to the stern god of sea, then follow dismal streams of Lethe, in which the half-drenched on earth are constrained to drown downright, by wharfs where Ophelia twice acts her muddy death. And doubtless, there is some notice in that invisible world when one of us approacheth, as my friend did so lately, to their inexorable precincts. When a soul knocks once, twice, at death's door, the sensation aroused within the palace must be considerable, and the grim feature, by modern science so often disposed of his prey, must have learned by this time to pity Tantalus. A pulse assuredly was felt along the line of the Elysian shades when the near arrival of G.D. was announced by no equivocal indications. From their seats of asphodel arose the gentler and the graver ghost's poet or historian of the Grecian or of Roman law to crown him with unfading chaplets the half-finished love labours of their unwearied scholiast 
him Markland expected, him Tierwit hoped to encounter, him the sweet lyrist of Peterhouse, whom he had barely seen upon earth, footnote, Graium tantum vidit, end footnote, with newest airs prepared to greet, and patron of the gentle Christ's boy, who should have been his patron through life, the mild Askew, with longing aspirations, leaned foremost from his venerable Esculapian chair to welcome into that happy company the matured virtues of the man, whose tender scions in the boy he himself upon earth had so prophetically fed and watered. End of section 44